Um, we teach it to children, and we teach this more sophisticated version to university students. Um, because what it is, is a very powerful tool in practice for judging whether you're doing the right thing or not. If you're doing something, but you say, look, it's only right for me to be doing this, not anybody else. Well, then the question is uh, why you get a pass from the, the moral rules that you think everybody else should be following. And the reason is, is because you're heteronymous. You're being impelled by your desires rather than your reason. So reason tells us what, what ends we should want, not just means. We should want, as an end, the universality of moral law out of respect for pure rationality. Mm-hmm. And there's one rule that all rational beings as rational beings must follow in order to be rational. And that's the, the CI. So here we have a litmus test for every possible action to see if it's moral. We all fall short of loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And when you do, this gives you a way of slapping your recalcitrant sinful inclinations back into line. Yeah, another thing that um, I remember underlining was that he um, clarified the difference between um, it was ought and would uh, when talking about the categorical imperative. So okay. since we live in the material world, this is shit that we ought to do, but we would do it if we were in purely the world of ideas. Yes. Um, what we're trying to do is uh, reconcile the noumenal and phenomenal world. Mm-hmm. He says, Kant, that he is to the noumenal world what Kant was to the phenomenal world. Newton, not Kant. Yeah, Newton, yeah. rather. Right. So, Newton is to the physical world what Kant is to the metaphysical world. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is reduced it to a quasi-mathematical formula, which is what Enlightenment physics is doing, but not quasi-mathematical, truly mathematical. Here it's a logical formula, right? So it's, it's not a rule, it's a meta-rule. It's the rule by which you judge all other rules. Mm-hmm. And this, he pulls this thing <laughs> logically out of its own hat. You know, just yeah. thinking about thinking and what must be true about human beings if we, if they're capable of thinking. Yeah, that's what made it even more um, vague for me is that this is sort of a, it's a, um, is cyclical the right word for it? Because what, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's just that it damn, I don't even know what I'm trying to it's say. Okay. It's okay. It's alright. It's not a problem. Um, Mm. 
You stop that, Queenie. You be a nice dog. Come on. You come on, philosophical dog. She's got things to say. I know she does. Now, Kant allows us to have clear, bright lines mm-hmm. about moral action. Let me give you some examples. It's always wicked to murder. Murder is always wrong because you can't universalize the action. Okay? Um, it's always wrong to rape. Right, because you can't universalize the maxim. Rapists don't want to be raped. Uh, It's always wrong to tell lies. Because if you tell a lie, what you're doing is creating something like counterfeit currency. Or counterfeit linguistic currency. And what that does is erode and undermine reason itself. So it's always wrong under every circumstance to tell a lie. So if you make a promise to someone, you absolutely have to keep it. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't make a promise you don't intend to keep because um, you're not going to get out of it. You have then an absolute moral obligation to keep your promises. Even though I agree with that, I feel like... There must be a such thing as white lies, like if you. If no, you're telling... you, you, you can remain silent if you want to be diplomatic. Yeah. But um, yeah. no, you, you. If you want to be like more. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Kant says no. There aren't white lies. Even if you do it to, to help somebody out, mm-hmm. it's always wrong. Yeah. Uh, abortion. Mm-hmm. Could you wish that everybody be aborted? No, well then, it's always wrong. It just gives you a clear, bright line. Uh, universalizing the maxim is one of the great achievements in the history of thought. See, what's what's great about this is that it allows us an unprecedented degree of precision in our moral thinking. In other words, in some ways it's written as a response to Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics. Aristotle says, look, rough and ready is as good as it gets. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, I give you a rule of thumb, and also you should have friends. <laughs> God says, look, look, let's get rid of this extraneous shit. I'm going to lay the foundations of the metaphysics of morals, and because they're metaphysical, they're outside of space and time, and so while when I lay the foundations of that, that's what the house is shaped like. <laughs> yes, I laid the foundations. I will give you the house later on, but these are the foundations. You, If you understand the foundation, you'll understand the house. And what's foundational here is pure rationality understood as being capable of, give, of telling you what ends to achieve, not just what means to use. So it's a bigger rationality. Call that German rationality. So, Hume and similar empiricists uh, spend their time sticking pins into balloons. <laughs> boom, ba boom, ba boom, boom. And they have gotten to have a nice time with it. And actually, the, everything that is a balloon deserves a fucking pin in it. You know, they're not wrong. But Kant says, come, check out my Kevlar balloon. You're going to like this. It defeats all you clowns, all right? And so the Germans are not 
critical pin stickers. They and the other continental philosophers like the Dutch um, or the French tend to be giant system builders. So Kant has this massive fucking system. Goes from epistemology, right, what you can know with new theory of mind, all right, to ontology, what exists and how. Well, the world exists out there, but we can't experience it directly. We never see the ding on zig. Oh, Christ. Uh, there's a metaphysics, you know, there's an ontology, the 12 uh, a priori categories of, the hu- of human cognition. In other words, mm-hmm. he has this massive, yeah. I mean, like, like Metropolitan Museum of Art size structure. Yeah, if anything, I'm kind of disappointed that the 12 categories weren't in this book, because I was really interested by that. It is, well, you can go yeah. and find out more about it. I mean, yeah, it. since we got the foundation now, it's going to be a while till I can read the house. Right. Right, but that's okay. It's in the uh, the Critique of Pure Reason. Oh, right. Which is a great big massive mm. you know, doorstop of a tome. The reason why we usually start Kant here for undergraduates is that Kant has a very forbidding way of writing and very technically demanding. And uh, too big a dose of that that just doesn't get read. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a nice, really choice like I gave you from the Dostoevsky, is a really choice slice of cock. Let me throw you a piece of that. And you, that way you get a sense of what the flavor is without trying to digest the entire thing. Yeah, it's like a pig's ear for Queenie. There we go. Mm. I produce mental pig's ears. And you know I do. And so you know you're really getting something accomplished in life. <laughs>